you found a message that was delivered at Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We are praying the time you invest hearing God's Word encourages you in your walk with Jesus and inspires you to share Him with others. If you want to learn more about us or send us a prayer request, visit our website, livingstreamscc.org. Thank you for listening. Take your Bibles, turn to Proverbs. Go ahead, but I'll have you on the screen uh, for most of the message this morning. We've been chasing wisdom this, uh, this, I guess, summer, tail into summer for the last six weeks. And today is all about wisdom for our, our anger. And, uh, you know, this preaching thing is kind of grueling at times because God causes me to live the message before I preach it. So, you know, just, I couldn't find my keys this morning, you know, and I was, I mean, so, I I believe what you prayed there, Shane, that God gives words, it's the Greg words that, you know, I have trouble with, that, that, so, you got to listen for the God words and skip the Greg words, and that's totally fine with me, all right? I didn't get an Andrew Luck shirt to get anybody angry this morning to, you know, you know, get you to, to, to the right spot here. Uh, if you drove here, you probably got close to the right spot of, you know, needing to hear a message about anger. So, <clears throat> here we go. The Colts begin playing for real today, right? This is the beginning of the season, the opening day, and so I don't know if uh, if you've heard any any pregame hype for for this, but um, there has been you know people out there talking about keys to victory for the Colts over the Chargers, and you know what they need to do right, what they need to watch out for, and so there's lots of good pregame stuff out there. But you know what, we got a great coach. We got we got the right coach. See, our coach isn't just a football guy. He's a God guy. When he got done playing football in the NFL, he went to seminary and he got his Master's of Divinity degree. And then he became a pastor. Um, and he thought that was too hard, so he went back to coaching NFL football. Uh, and then he was, he was also the president of a seminary in there uh, for a time. So just from his credentials, we can know that our head coach is a successful leader and he knows how to study. So you can be sure that he's come up with a game plan that is going to help us beat the Chargers today. Better than just, you know, hey, let's go guys, get rah-rah before we go on the field. So we got the game plan ready to go. Now I can't give you any predictions about the Colts and the Chargers today. You wouldn't want to listen to me. I don't know enough about the Colts and the Chargers to, you know, have any kind of wisdom there. But I promise you that after the game, there'll be post-game analysis. So if you want to know, you know, what went right, what went wrong, what we need to change, what we need to correct, read about it, watch it. It'll, it'll all, it'll all be there. Seems like every time a season starts, it's a big game. You know, we want to start the season off right. We want to have a win. A win is the way to start right. Everybody's going for the win today. You know, team energy is good for the next game, all that stuff. So what does this have to do with anger? Well, I was thinking, you know, for followers of Jesus, every time we go up against anger, it's a big game. You know, it, it, it is a big game. There is a lot... At stake. So whether it's coming from the inside of us or it's coming at us from the outside, when we go up against anger, we have a big game. And there's, there's 
wisdom in the book of Proverbs. There's pre-game wisdom, there's game plan wisdom, and there's post-game wisdom all about anger. So before we dive into that and mind some of that wisdom, I want to pray because I need all I can get. Father God, we do want to just thank you today for this wonderful book that you have given us called Proverbs, this book of wisdom uh, that has so many different dynamics to it, so many situations that we can read about and then, then play out in our lives before we go live it. And, and today, Lord, I would, would imagine that as we focus on uh, this topic of anger, we could all you know, think about the last time that anger got the best of us. And, and we can know that we need your help. And so, Lord, speak to our hearts today. Um, do what only you can do in us uh, to conquer and to win, have a victory over, over anger today. I pray the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight. O oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Proverbs has some pre-game wisdom to understand before our next big bout with, with anger. If we are going to get the victory, we've got to know our opponent. Right, we've got to know our opponent. What does Proverbs in the Bible tell us about anger? Well, the first thing we need to realize is that anger makes us vulnerable. Anger makes us vulnerable. And that's kind of the opposite of what we might think. You know, we, we, we sort of think that anger, you know, is a show of strength. But, um, and when you look at angry people that you see, I mean, it's like, you know, they're these strong, aggressive, dominant individuals, you know, that, that, that get portrayed. But really, Proverbs is telling us something different. It paints a different picture about anger. Proverbs 14:17 says, Short-tempered people do foolish things, and schemers are hated. So, you know, from Proverbs 1-1 all the way to the end of Proverbs 31, there's the, the constant message of don't be a fool. I mean, that's, that's a message in Proverbs. Don't be a fool. And anger makes you vulnerable to do foolish things. So when you're angry, you will say things that you never would say otherwise. Uh, when you're angry, you might do things that you never would normally do. So anger makes you vulnerable to do foolish things. And I would say 100% of the time when we do that, there's regret. We regret what we've said. We regret what we've done, what anger brought out of us. Proverbs 25:28 says, A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. So anger makes us vulnerable to attack. Uh, again, kind of the opposite of, of, of what, we, what we think. I mean, um, you know, when we think of anger, we think, you know, we're showing strength. You know, football players on the field today are going to be hitting each other before the game. Come on, get your anger up. we got to go out and take on this team. But listen, when we're angry... It puts us right in the, in the place where Satan can use us. It makes us vulnerable to his attack. He, he puts, it puts us in the place where he, we are more likely to do damage to someone or damages done to us when this anger comes up. Ephesians 4.27 says, Anger gives a foothold to the, de- to the devil. 
Or do not, it says also, do not give an opportunity to the devil because of your anger. It's an opportunity for him to sway us to his side without us being on his side. So anger makes us vulnerable. Anger hides itself as hatred. It hides itself as hatred. Proverbs 10.12 says, Hatred stirs up quarrels, but love makes up for all offenses. So these quarrels, you know where, they, where these quarrels begin? They begin in here. And then they move up here. And they keep going back and forth. And it's a stirring this stirring, grinding our gears over and over and over, this conflict inside of us until, boom, it has to come out. It begins on the inside of us. So you hate the things that have happened to you. You hate that you got hurt. You hate the person that hurt you. You hate that things didn't go your way. You hate this traffic jam. (laughs) Now, we don't like to use the word hate. You know, it sounds really strong. And it should. But hatred is defined as an intense or passionate dislike. (laughs) An intense or passionate dislike. So, uh, you you might be able to come up with an example in in your life of of where there's some, what we would have to call hate. Now, for for me, a Purdue alumni. Okay? All right? Uh, it's the difference between how I feel about Minnesota and how I feel about IU. I dislike Minnesota. But I intensely dislike IU. You see? Difference. It's hard to say hate IU. It's so hard to say that. You know, I dislike going to the doctor. But I intensely dislike going to the dentist. Yeah. You're, you're with me. On that. And here's the thing, it is so important for us to, to recognize hatred in our life. Or, or if you would rather me say it, it is so important for us to recognize where I intensely dislike something. Because that's anger hiding in my heart. <clears throat> anger stays below the surface with hatred. And it keeps those critical conversations, you know, going on inside of us or, you know, at home in the dark. You know, hidden anger keeps you away from people. You know, when you, when you have hidden anger stirring up inside of you about somebody or someone, the worst thing in the world that can happen is that it comes out and it, you show your two colors. So what do you do? You stay away from people. So you protect yourself from an outburst of anger. You, at the same time, you are keeping yourself from honest, true relationships. 1 John 3.15 It reads, Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. So you could read that as anyone who intensely dislikes another is really a murderer at heart. Anger hides as hatred and it's serious business. 
serious business. It's something going on in your heart and it, and it puts you in a position to do serious damage. And, you know, when anger gets let out, bad stuff happens. We call it wrath. Anger manifests itself as wrath. Proverbs 15, 18 uh, says, A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. So now we're not just stirring up conflict on the inside of us. It's, it's come out. Now we're stirring up conflict in, among us. Among us. So wrath is anger on display. And wrath sounds so ugly, you know. It's like hatred sounds ugly. Wrath sounds ugly. It sounds so bad. Not many of us will slip up and let it, let it come out. Our wor- but, but, but it happens, doesn't it? Our words become daggers. Our volume, our volume hurts the ears. You know, one time when I, when I was coaching swimming, um, I was just helping. And the kids were goofing around. And I had just no patience for it. And they they splashed and they splashed and I, they hit me. And I said, hey! The whole pool got quiet. Now I'm mic'd up here, so, you know, <clears throat> sorry about that. But that, our volume... Our volume goes up. Our intent with everything becomes harm. Sometimes our hands and our feet and our arms, our body becomes a weapon for anger to carry out our wrath. And that's when road rage becomes a headline or mass shootings or, you know, awful things. Shooting here up on Allisonville and 96th Street last night. Anger has made has come on display. Anger is a dangerous thing. Proverbs 20 verse 2 says, The king's fury is like a lion's roar. To rouse his anger is to risk your life. So anger in the hands of, a power, of power, is a, it's a dangerous thing. There's some pregame wisdom for you before you take on anger again. We want to know our opponent. And now, as you're reading these things, I don't know if you are like me, but as I went through there, I'm like, I'm my own worst enemy. I'm the opponent here. You know, I'm the one that's always getting this anger thing wrong. I have sounded like that to my children who I love. So, realizing that is a big thing. That that we are our own worst enemy. So, when you are getting angry a lot more than people are getting angry at you, there's work to do. There's work to do on the inside. James chapter 1 verse 20 says, Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So, living as an angry person is not going to help you in your life with God. It's not what he desires. And you know, so many people, they think about our God as a God full of vengeance and wrath and anger. They they think of him that way. And there will be a day when, you know, he lets out that anger and wrath and violence on all unrighteousness. There will be a day for that. But right now, we are called to tell people our God is a God who is slow to anger. And He's abounding in steadfast love. 
That's who our God is. He's a good, good God. And so that's the kind of life he wants us to live. Slow to anger and abounding in love. So to know that you are your own worst enemy, that you are the opponent, that, that you know, when it comes to this anger, you're the biggest game you're going to play today. That's a big deal to know that. And to know that it's not God's will for your life for anger to come out. And I know Jesus got angry, but we're not Jesus. We're not Jesus. What makes you angry? What makes you angry? As I thought about that, that question, you know, I, I, bet, I bet you, no, I won't bet you. I, I, I just believe this to be true. I was going to bet you lunch or something, but, you know, we're not doing that. Sorry. I found at the root of my anger, I bet at the root of my anger is the same thing at the, is at the root of your anger. Self. Self is at the root of anger. When I get disrespected, when I get put down, when I get falsely accused, when I get made to feel stupid, when I get left out, left behind, that can make me angry. So my plans, my purposes, my pride, my power, my position, my provision, my protection, when all those things get threatened, I'm having a bout with anger. Self is right there. And it's most important. What makes you angry? Know your opponent. Know your opponent. That's your pregame wisdom. There's also game plan wisdom. Game plan wisdom in Proverbs. So we've got this big game coming up with anger. It may happen today. It may happen at lunch. Maybe it's going to happen on the inside of you. Maybe it's going to be coming at you from the outside. But it's going to happen. And no, no matter if it's on the inside or coming at you from the outside, there's game plan wisdom we can do for us to get the victory. So you know, you've got to have a strategy to take on anger. You need a strategy. So first of all, you need to have a power offense. And that power offense is love. Love. Second half of Proverbs 10:12, it said that. It said, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Love is your power offense. So when you're on offense, you're being proactive. You're taking the fight to the fight. You know, you're trying to move the ball down the field. You're trying to score points. You want to do that with love. Love is our power offense. Proverbs 3.3 3 said, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. It's the foundation of our life. Jesus' love played out in our life. Going to, through us to other people. And so that's why we want to talk about the kind of love that we're talking about here. We're not talking about the feeling kind of love. We're not talking about friendship kind of love. We're talking about God kind of love, which is agape love. Agape love is gospel love. It is the kind of love that sacrifices self for the benefit of another. So that's the kind of love we're talking about. It's, it's the kind of love that Jesus told us to show our enemies. It's, it's the kind of love that can cover over sins and offenses because it takes the hit for those sins and offenses. It's the kind of love, that kind of love, agape kind of love, it can change a heart. 
Proverbs 25, 22, and 23, they describe this kind of love. If your enemy's hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. So that burning coals thing, in, in the Bible, uh, that's a symbol for power and for judgment. And so when a believer is proactive with agape love to somebody who is angry, that opens a door for them to see that what they're doing is wrong. And the conviction comes over them. Hot coals been put on their, on their head. That's how, that is how Proverbs 51, I think, says, a soft answer turns away wrath. That's how it happens. When you meet anger with love... It can turn it off. Now Paul uses this very verse in Proverbs. He, he quotes that in Romans. In Romans chapter 12 verses 70 to 21. So this explains our, our strategy for our offense. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture, scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Uh, Albert Tomei, he is a justice in the New York City uh, Supreme Court. And he had a young defendant that was being tried in his court for gunning down another person execution style. And this murderer had a bad record already. He was not a stranger to the system. Um, uh, And as the court uh, proceedings uh, were going on, and and as he was there at the sentencing of, uh, you know, after his guilty verdict, all he did was just stare at the the jury with, with anger on his face. The scowl. And so the victim's family, they were there for the whole two-week trial. And at the end of it, when they were doing the sentencing, the grandmother stood up to speak in the court. But she didn't speak to the jury. She didn't speak to the judge. She spoke directly, directly to the murderer. And this is what she said. You broke the golden rule to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you broke the law of love, loving your neighbor as yourself. Well, I want you to know that I am your neighbor. And if you would like it, you can have my address. And if you would write to me, I will write you back. I sat in this trial for two weeks. And for the last 16 months, I tried to hate you. But you know what? I could not hate you. I just felt sorry for you. You made a wrong choice. Now the judge, he witnessed all this. He writes this. For the first time uh, since the trial began, the defendant's eyes lost their laser focus. His scowl disappeared from his face and he appeared to surrender to a force that was flowing out from this woman. After the grandmother finished, I looked at the defendant. His head was hanging low. Tears were streaming down his face. There was no more swagger. There was no more stare. The destructive and evil forces within him collapsed helplessly before this remarkable display of unconditional love. 
Now that is some power offense. That's heaping burning coals on an enemy. It's beautiful. That's the gospel. That's how we attack anger. And if you make it your mission to live a life of love, you know, I will build my life on this love. If you make it your mission to make that kind of love visible to others, even your enemies, you're going to get a victory even if anger wins on the scoreboard. The offense works. This, this power offense, it works even if the anger's coming up, rising up within you. Okay? Because the more you practice agape love, the more you practice setting yourself aside so someone else can live and be blessed for their benefit, the more you practice that, the more self is dying daily. And since self is at the root of anger, the less likely to rise. So that's your power offense. There's also a prevent defense in our game plan wisdom. And it's called, I know this is not a good word, but patience. Patience actually is a good word. Proverbs 14.29 says, Whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Proverbs 16.32 Better a patient person than a warrior one with self-control than one who takes a city. So that word patience it, it, in the Proverbs also gets translated as slow to anger. So patience equals being slow to anger. And that's why it's our prevent defense. That's why Proverbs brings it up again and again. What happens when we lose our patience? Anger. Our wrath comes out. So patience is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, frustration, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. Without there being this annoyance coming up on the inside of you. So if you would describe yourself as an angry person, stop trying to not be an angry person and start trying to be a patient person. It's your prevent defense. If you find yourself in contact with an angry person, anger is coming at you, practicing patience with them will keep you from getting caught up in the fight. You know, patience, like I said, it's really not something we like to pray for. You know, that's, that's we've been saying that for years and years. Don't pray for patience. It's not something we like to use because it means that we're we're feeling it, you know. But it's essential. It's it's essential for keeping anger from getting the upper hand in our life. And I was thinking, you know, every single person has the capacity to be patient. Unless you're a toddler and you haven't learned self-control. You know, the toddler, you know, they're they're getting upset when they don't get what they want, right? So if you see yourself Today, as an adult, acting like a toddler, you know, you don't get what you want, have a fit. You haven't grown in patience. But everybody, everybody else, if, if you're doing that at all, that means that you have grown in patience since you were a toddler. So it's possible. You might be at 101, right? But that's okay. You've grown a little bit. So uh, this patience thing, it's, it's hard to develop, but it is possible. It's easy to know if you're a patient person. 
It's easy to know that. When you find yourself in a situation, probably today, that you know, you go into and you're like, you know, there's people around you and they're getting frustrated and they're, and your anger's starting to fly, words, whatever. Um, and you're not. You're, you're practicing patience. You're practicing patience. So, um, <clears throat> that time that it takes for you to go from, uh, Patience. Well, let's see. You go from you go from patience to angst to anger. All right. So you're practicing patience, and then you can feel it rise. The angst. You know, I got a meeting at work. I'm late. There's traffic. Angst. <laughs> I'm, 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 I don't understand this. I'm, I'm I'm sitting in the doctor's office. 30 minutes past my appointment. No one else is here. What are they doing back there? Standing over at Meyer in the self-checkout lines where it clearly reads 12 items or less. <laughs> and there's someone who clearly has 13 items because I counted them. And this person is trying to put the exact change in the machine. And this person needs help with a price check. And this person can't find the barcode. I mean, come on, people. I got places to be. <sighs> Talking to just about anybody on the phone who's in customer service from any corporation. For these and more windows into my life, you can consult Lori or Pastor Shane, who regularly get to hear about when my patience is stretched. So I take it you know what I'm talking about here. Do <laughs> you know this, this angst? Listen, the amount of time it takes us to feel that angst is the amount of patience you have. It's the amount of patience you have. Feeling the angst is a warning siren that an anger storm is coming. And patience is that invisible force on the inside of you that can actually turn the storm away and get rid of the angst, turn the siren off. So is there a way for us to develop this inner strength? And man, I'm telling you, I'm still wrestling with this, all right? I believe that there is a way. And so I'm going to tell you a way, but I don't know if this will hold up in a court of law. So, you know... Try it, and you can tell me later. So, to develop patience, you've got to exercise it. And so that means you're going to put yourself in situations that require it. So, you know, go buy a puzzle. <laughs> I think Kurt told me he could do that tonight, but, you know... Um, that is going to, that's going to require some patience. You know, and it's not like somebody gave it to you as a birthday present, right? No, you went and bought that puzzle and you're going to do it. So you're the one who put yourself in that situation. When you do that, you, trust me, your patience is going to be more because if you run out of patience, you're just mad at yourself. That's, and that's, that's kind of how it works. Instead of picking the shortest checkout line at Meyer, pick the longest one. Instead of GPSing your way out of traffic, stay in it. Become a fisherman. <laughs> or worse, play golf. 
Read a long book. Help your kids with their homework. I mean, why is math different? Jennifer, you can explain that to me somehow. Why is math different? So this is your prevent defense. It's all part of this, this game plan wisdom to, to take on anger. You, you take that defense, you couple it with that power offense, and you're going to be a living, breathing witness of Proverbs 19.11. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Patience and wisdom. And you might be sitting there thinking, what kind of strategy is this? I mean, what are you talking about? I've tried this before. I mean, in this, like, you know, Christianity 101, and anger still seems to get the upper hand. Well, what you need, if that's you, what you need, and it, um, it's me, what you need is a momentum swing. Okay? You, need a, you know what that is, right? In a, in, a, in a game, when your team is losing and nothing seems to be going right, they need something good to happen so that the, the energy of the team just kind of changes and everything starts going right. And, you know, the game starts going your way. That's a momentum swing. And you can get a momentum swing when it comes to taking on anger. God has provided it for us. It's not an it, actually. It's a Him. He's provided Him. He's the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. Remember that list in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. It's a list of the fruits of the Spirit. What's the first thing on the list? Love. Love. There's the power for your power offense. The Holy Spirit producing the fruit of love. What's the fourth thing on the list? Patience. God's Holy Spirit. Bearing the fruit of patience for your prevent defense. The last one on the list. Self-control. Helps with both. Offense and defense. So when you're feeling like the game plan wisdom isn't wise, it's not working, maybe it's because you're trying to work the offense and the defense in your own strength. You're just trying harder. And the thing is, when when you're taking on anger, it's a team sport. It's a team sport. We're not expected to go out and take on one on 11. And that's what it is when taking on anger. It's a team sport, and we're not supposed to do this in our own strength. We're not supposed to do this with our personality that God gave us or with the skills that we're learning. We have to play this game in the power of the Holy Spirit, or we're going to find ourselves on the losing end more often than not. So, the secret to bearing fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, is called abiding in Christ. Galatians calls it keeping in step with the Spirit. So Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you will not beat anger. So when you're headed into that difficult conversation, you're not going in there alone. Not going in there alone. Holy Spirit's right here. And you're walking in there with Him. And you're praying, Jesus, bear the fruit of love through me. Bear the fruit of patience with this person. When you are 
ready to let that anger out in words or in actions, you call a timeout. Call a timeout. It's okay to call a timeout. When it's ready to blow, call a timeout. Take a break. Walk away. Get a fresh drink of the Spirit. Breathe in His strength. Come back to it tomorrow. Leave the letter in the door for 24 hours. That was good. (laughs) Take a break. God has given us His help to love when we should be fighting. He's given us His help to be slow to anger when everyone else is losing their patience. And He's in here. He's in here. So that's the game plan wisdom for taking on anger in our life. Um, But you know what? Even with the best strategy, even with the Holy Spirit, sometimes, sometimes anger is going to get the best of us. And we're going to lose. Sometimes anger is going to become visible wrath in our life. We may be doing the hurting. We might be getting hurt. We might be breaking things. Sometimes it happens. But even if anger wins on the scoreboard, it doesn't mean you've lost. You can still have victory. And that comes from the post-game wisdom. The analysis. Knowing what your response is to what's happened. So when anger wins, relationships are usually on the losing end. Usually. Proverbs 18.19 says, An offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. So if your anger has done the offending, if your anger has done the offending, it's done damage to a relationship. And God places on us the responsibility to live at peace with everyone, as we heard in Romans chapter 12. As far as we are able, live at peace with everyone. So if, if you've offended someone, it's your responsibility to go back to the person you offended and to say the words, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Even if you're right. Even if you were right in the argument or whatever it was that made you angry. Even if you were right, you were wrong in the way you argued. So you've got to go back and you've got to say, I'm sorry because a relationship's way more important than you being right. So it's on you to go back and try to do that. You also have to prove that your I'm sorry is real. When your anger has hurt somebody, then you have broken trust with them. You're not a safe person anymore. And for them to accept your I'm sorry, they're going to need to trust you again. Or, you know, that's part of it down the road. That gets you back to reconciliation. And so it's on you as the person who offended to prove the I'm sorry is real. Don't expect the person just to jump back in. See, a sincere apology isn't going to have, I'm sorry, but. So you're not going to say, you're not going to have any defense for what you did. You're not going to say, I'm sorry, but I just couldn't let that go. No no defense for your actions. You're also not going to have any excuse for your actions. No, I'm sorry, but I was just having a really bad day. Man, I just used that last week. A sincere apology is just, I'm sorry. And then you say the words, will you forgive me? 
We don't want to assume ever that um, forgiveness is just granted. We want to ask for it. Will you forgive me? Even, listen, this goes for even if you had 5% of the, if you were 5% of the problem of the whatever you were going through. You take responsibility for your 5% and you do whatever it takes to live at peace with everyone. I'm sorry, would you forgive me for my 5%? Probably don't want to say that. <laughs> now, if you've been hurt by the anger, uh, you know, it, it's uh, coming at you from somebody else, you've got the same responsibility as they do as far as living at peace with everyone. You know, injuries after a game need to be healed. They need to be healed. Playing hurt only makes you more susceptible to loss and also makes your injuries worse. Just ask Andrew Luck. When you're hurt, when you're hurt, uh, it's really hard to run the power offensive love. And when you're hurt, your prevent defensive patience is going to be so much weaker. If you do not heal the injury, it can become infected and will start impacting all the other areas of your life. No longer do you just have a problem with this person, but now you've got a hard infected heart because of what happened, and now you're having problems with all these other people, and they're like, what's wrong? So we want to heal. How? How do you go about healing? Well, all I... All I know to do to tell you is to run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. You know what? He knows what it's like to take abuse. Physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. He lived our life. He knows what it's like when a friend turns against you. He knows what it's like when your closest friends run away from you. He knows what it's like to be called names and to be made fun of. He knows what it's like. He knows. So run to Him. Run to Jesus. And tell Him what happened. Just tell Him like you're a little kid coming in from the playground to tell mom and dad how you got hurt on the playground. Tell Him. Tell Him how it feels. Tell Him out loud. Tell him with your tears. To sit at his feet. Come to the garden alone. And sit at his feet. And you want to do that until you can say to him, I forgive the person who did this to me. You know? Because until you do that, any kind of I forgive here really isn't going to be real. Until you let it go and give to God what happened to you, you won't be able to face to forgive people face to face. You might say the words, but in here it won't be real. And in here's where it counts. So you got to go to the garden alone. There's vertical work to do in forgiveness when it comes to, when it comes to healing. The healing happens right here. And when you're healed here, you're free. You're free to love. 
You're free to be slow to anger with, with other people. It's not easy. And it takes time. Give yourself time. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Post-game wisdom is for the next game. And so there's, there's going to be lessons to learn from, you know, what you went through. Proverbs 20, there's several in there. I'm just going to give you a couple. Proverbs 22, 24 to 25 says, Don't befriend an angry person or people or associate with hot-tempered people or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. So, you know, living at peace with, with people, uh, saying to them, I forgive you, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to go back to trusting them with your heart. This is telling us, be wise when it comes to living with angry people. Be wise with that. There's a lesson to learn there. And another thing that we get, you get this over and over in Proverbs as you look back at the game. You want to make sure that you receive correction. You know, that, that you, you saw what you did wrong. So, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. And you want to receive correction for the next time around. Proverbs 15, 31 and 32 says, If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, uh, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Man, that is gold. Post-game wisdom. Let's have our worship team come back up. <clears throat> so you know this this playing field that where we take on anger. It's um, it's a messy place. It it's uh, it can get muddy. We aren't thinking straight. We don't see clearly. But we need to run to Jesus. Because in our following of Him, it's essential that this anger thing doesn't get the best of us. I mean, the reputation of our God depends on it, right? I mean, think of how many people think of Him as just being angry or not caring. You know, all all these things. How are they going to learn that our God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love? He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve but He removes them as far as the east is from the west because of the precious blood of His own Son. How are they going to learn that? By our witness. By our words. So we have this pre-game, game plan, post-game wisdom to use when it comes to our anger. But we need Jesus. We need to run to Jesus. We need to seek His Holy Spirit. We need to walk, when we walk out of here, we need to walk in step with Him, abiding in Christ. It makes for a whole lot more peaceful life and a whole lot more power too. So let's just stand together and we will confess our need for Him. Let's pray. Oh God, how we need you. How we need you. We thank you, Lord, for your wisdom today. Thank you for the instruction that it gives us for life. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who empowers us to live out those instructions. 
And we pray, Father, as, uh, as we go back out into our lives, that we would be mindful of His presence with us. That we would know this abiding with Christ, this resting in His love and His patience, that that is all there available to us to give to others. We can all think of the last time we, we messed up, Lord, and oh, how we need You. How we need Your forgiveness. Lord, if there's somebody we need to go to today, there's somebody You brought to our minds where we did something wrong, we did an, an offense because of our anger, give us the grace to walk those steps of obedience back to the person and ask them for forgiveness. Just to say, I'm sorry that I hurt you. Would you forgive me? We pray, Lord, for those that are here today that are hurting because something was done to them. Pray, Lord, they would find the time to sit at your feet and just tell you, Lord, what happened. To receive your comfort, your healing, like only you can do. To restore them, Lord. Place your hands upon them, Lord, today. Thank you for being such a good, good father. For loving us. For not leaving us when we get it wrong. Send us out. Trust in you are with us, Lord. Believing that we can win this anger game. Because of you in our hearts. Pray these things in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.